0: This is breaking the dollar, the podcast that dismantles some of the biggest misconceptions about money. This is a, a monster. Federal <laughs> Reserve is probably not going kind of it, right. to raise interest rates like we're getting a thousand dollars and away for a fifty thousand dollar Presented by Densville Coins. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Breaking the Dollar. I'm your host Everett Millman, and we thought for this week's episode we'd. Kind of call an audible, change the game plan and do uh, an outlook for 2020, which I think is not only timely and relevant, but that's what everyone is interested in, right? So in coming up for my general forecast for 2020, it was useful to look back at what happened in 2019 and even more generally to look back at what happened in the past decade because we are at the dawn of a new decade with 2020. And in the financial news, there have been quite a few retrospectives on the decade that was. And it was an interesting time period because it encompassed all of the aftermath of the financial crisis. So this was the decade following the global financial crisis. And in fact, there was a headline in Reuters that called it the decade of debt. And I think that that is rather appropriate because that is one of the long-running themes that... I believe will continue in 2020, uh, but it sets the stage for a possibly worse downturn in the coming years. So, in the broadest sense, this last decade and last year were really characterized by central bank stimulus. Virtually every central bank in the world, at least all the major ones, uh, were engaged in stimulus measures, whether that is cutting rates, expanding their balance sheets. Basically, anything they can do to support the economic expansion and kind of grease the wheels for businesses. Now, by many measures, they succeeded in this endeavor. We did not get another crash after the financial crisis. And in fact, equities in the U.S. are at or near all-time highs. And in many other countries, equities had a fantastic year in 2019. So in the short term, all of this stimulus did lift asset prices. However, the problem with persistently low interest rates and central banks having to resort to all these stimulus measures is that it causes certain distortions, not just in the domestic economy, but also in the global economy. 2019 was a year where we did start seeing some warning signs in fixed income with the 10-year treasury yield was pretty volatile. We also saw some red flags in the money markets, which is like overnight lending used by banks and corporations. Um, That was the whole problem with the repo market in the U.S. it's important to keep in mind that that whole repo intervention by the New York Fed is still going on. It's been going on since September. And this is another example of this type of stimulus measure being used by a central bank. The other major warning sign is in the credit markets. There's an old saying that money chases yield wherever it can find it, which is, that's largely true. That's a pretty good axiom in investing and in the financial markets. And right now, we've seen investors increasingly piling into riskier and riskier debt in search of greater yields. Now, traditionally, this means the junk bond market, these are riskier corporate bonds, that compensate investors with a higher yield. But another of the biggest problems in this regard is something that we discussed on a previous episode, and that is CLOs, collateralized loan obligations. As a quick refresher, these are packages of debt, and they've been packaged together in order to make them more attractive to investors, to sort of get them off the shelves, so to speak. And one of the big problems with CLOs isn't merely that they are riskier than your average bond. But a recent report by the Financial Stability Board, the FSB, raised concerns that too many institutional investors are the ones holding these CLOs. By that, we mean big banks, hedge funds, and perhaps even central banks. Now, all of that is sort of a detour to say that there are some warning signs that we are late in the economic cycle. And I know that this is a point that I have made several times throughout the year, and it's sort of one of those things that you you can't call it until it happens, but these are the red flags. These are the early indicators that we are nearing the end. And essentially, that is what I expect for 2020. Uh, I believe it will be the beginning of the next cyclical shift for global markets. And what that means is essentially everything that has happened over the past decade it's really all moved in one direction, where the stock markets have done fantastic, and almost every other asset class has been pretty quiet. If indeed we are approaching that cyclical shift, what you would expect to see is those trends to go in reverse. Now what's interesting is that even though we may be in the early stages of that cyclical shift, 2020 could see a replay of 2019 in that what was good for the equity markets is also good for gold and the precious metals. In this regard, the main factor is how low interest rates are. In general, it's good for stocks because it allows companies easier access to credit and in many cases that is used to buy back their own shares of stock, thus raising their stock price. On the other hand, in terms of gold, low interest rates make gold relatively more attractive than other safe haven assets because it doesn't matter that gold offers no yield if interest rates are so low that virtually all other forms of debt also offer zero or in many cases now negative yield. So somewhat ironically, uh, I do believe 2020 will be somewhat of a replay of this year where both the stock market and the precious metals will both benefit. In terms of the the big shift in cycles that I keep referring to, we've already seen some signs on the other end of it. So I had mentioned how heavily indebted many governments and companies are, and that is usually a sign that we're getting close to the end of the cycle. But we've also seen what you might call green shoots in the commodities complex. Broadly speaking, most commodities have been in an upswing through the end of the year, We've seen the copper price recover quite a bit, and this is after a decade of falling commodity prices. It may be a bit of an oversimplification to say that everything that has happened in the last decade will reverse over the next decade, but I think that still captures the general outlook. That's still a pretty good rule of thumb to follow. If you look at the past decade from 2010 through the end of this year, It was the first decade since 1850 where we had zero recessions in the United States over that decade. That's a pretty incredible anomaly. And as I said, it may be an oversimplification to use that as a reason for markets beginning to enter a downswing. I don't expect it to happen in 2020. But nonetheless, if you spread out that time horizon and you look over the next decade of the entire 2020s, That's the kind of outlook that the past decade has set us up for. I would expect the same to be true for the gold and silver mining industry. Since about 2011, the miners have been one of the worst performing sectors in all of the markets. They have really struggled even more so than the underlying prices of gold and silver. Finally, 2019 was a pretty good year for the miners. Both the majors and the junior miners offer double-digit positive returns. We saw a lot of renewed merger and acquisition activity in the mining industry. And so all of this, I believe, points to a pretty good 2020 for the miners, and especially going forward. The mining sector is really poised to benefit from the higher precious metal prices that we saw in 2019, and I believe we'll continue to see going forward. And one final thing that I've already been seeing people talk a lot about for 2020 is this idea of a melt-up for the stock market. And indeed, that is essentially what we saw uh, in December of this year. It was sort of a late oncome of the Santa Claus rally that we spoke about a few episodes ago. But it's very telling that almost uniformly everyone is using this phrase melt-up. And essentially what that means is that it is a momentum trade, that markets really aren't rising because of the underlying fundamentals. It's purely a momentum play where everyone expects the markets to go up. And so if you're not invested in stocks, then you have that fear of missing out. So we've already begun to see that a little bit. I do think that trend will continue into the first quarter, perhaps even the second quarter of 2020 but it's important to keep in mind that these types of melt-ups are almost invariably followed by a meltdown. Although markets are still riding high, it was only about six months ago that everyone was freaked out about the odds of a recession in the next year or so. Now that we're entering the new year, that perception has swung, I believe, too far back the other way, If you look at consumer confidence numbers are close to 15-year highs. Right now, basically everybody is bullish on equities and more broadly riskier assets. But the interesting thing is that none of the factors from earlier in 2019 that started causing the recession fears have really gone anywhere. They haven't completely been addressed. They've just been put on the back burner, so to speak. So I think the situation is perhaps getting riskier, and that although we will likely see some positive returns for U.S. stock markets in 2020, it is likely to be the beginning of the end of a decade-long bull market. So that does it for this week's episode. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, Before we head out, we will turn to our mailbag and take a question from the listeners. This week's question comes from Devin in Orlando. That's here in Florida. And Devin asks, what is the easiest way to check if your silver is fake? That's a really good question because obviously it is on people's minds when they're not familiar with the precious metals. They want to know, how can I tell if this is real silver? May even come across this when you're buying jewelry. There are a variety of methods that we use in the industry. So I think I may have mentioned it before, we have a device called a PMV, which basically checks the electronic resonance, I think that's correct, of the metals, and it can pinpoint whether it's silver or gold or what have you. Um, There's also something called the specific gravity test, where if you know, you just have to look up the numbers, and if you know what the specific gravity of your metal is, You can tie it to a string, dunk it in water, and take some quick measurements to determine if it is real. And obviously, you could always melt it down and then test that. But all of these methods are obviously a little inconvenient. So if you have some silver and you just wanted something that could quickly verify whether or not it's real, uh, there's something you can do called the ice test, where essentially you put a cube of ice on the silver and you wait to see if it melts Uh, silver is the best thermal conductor of all metals that's one of its special properties and so the ice should melt rather rapidly if the ice doesn't melt then you know that that's either not real silver or it is not very pure that's just a quick little do-it-yourself that you can try even if you don't have a lot of sophisticated equipment or time on your hands to try and check the validity of the silver a different way. So hopefully that helps. As always, we appreciate everybody out there listening. Really thank you for your support. And be sure to check out GainesvilleCoins.com to see all the great content we have outside of the podcast. Be sure to join us on next week's episode where I will revisit some of the properties of the gold standard and what we may see in the future. So be sure to check that out. Today's episode was presented by our sponsors, Gainesville Coins. You can find out more at GainesvilleCoins.com. If you enjoyed today's show, we encourage you to go to iTunes and subscribe, leave a review, and leave a rating. The views and opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as professional investment advice.